Welcome to the Geneva Center for Security Policy Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Paul Vallée, Associate Fellow in the Global Fellowship Initiative of the GCSP. For the next few weeks, I'm talking with subject matter experts to discuss issues of peace, security, and international cooperation. Thanks for tuning in. This week, we have a special guest on the podcast, Colonel Christian Bullman, head of the Diplomatic Dialogue at the GCSP, is interviewing Ambassador Theodore Teddy Winkler. Ambassador Dr. Theodore Winkler, or friendly known as Teddy among the GCSP and ITC community, is a distinguished Swiss public servant. He studied at the University of Geneva and at the Graduate Institute, from which he received his PhD in International Security Studies in 1981. After having been a research fellow at Harvard University's Center for International Affairs and at the International Institute for Strategic Studies in London. He then entered government service in Switzerland's Federal Military Department, known today as DDPS. He held essential positions, such as Head of Studies for the General Staff's Strategic Intelligence Service from 1981 to 1991, and represented the Chief of the General Staff for Political Military Affairs from 1985 to 1995. Having been the architect of the ITC, as he will explain to us, he was then the first director of the Geneva Center for Security Policy in 1995-1996, before heading the DDPS's International Security Policy in its General Secretariat. He then chaired Switzerland's Partnership for Peace Interdepartmental Office and Reflection Group. From 2000 to 2016, with the rank of ambassador, he was director of the General Geneva Center for the Democratic Control of Armed Forces, GCSP's close neighbor in the Maison de la Paix. Ambassador Winkler is a prolific author of several hundred articles published by scholarly journals, DCAF, and by the Daily Press in Switzerland and in the UK. Among his books feature his memoirs, published in German language by Lied Verlag, titled in English, the Box was happy that I was thinking outside of it, which appeared in 2017. He has continued this work reflecting on globalization and the unruly world in subsequent books in 2018 and 2019. And his forthcoming book, On Change, The Forces That Transform Our World, will be published by Lied Verlag in July 2021. The GCSP flagship course, the Leadership in International Security course, the LISC, recently completed its 35th edition. It has quite an interesting history emerging in the wake of the Geneva Summit in 1985 as the Swiss government realized the pressing need for security policy expertise. On the eve of the 2021 summit between Presidents Biden and Putin, we reflect in this podcast on the origins of the LISC with Ambassador Teddy Winkler who was commissioned to prepare the study on Swiss expertise. This study led to the founding of the course, then called CIPOLEX, in 1986. Ambassador Winkler, could you take us through Swiss thinking on why such a course was needed and how did it come about? One must remember the times, the early 80s, where this movement in thinking took place was the peak of the Cold War. It was after Afghanistan, the Olympic Games had been boycotted. It was in the midst of the Euro missile debate, SS-20s and Pershing-1, Pershing-2 missiles. Switzerland was pursuing at that time a policy of dissuasion. Therefore, we had a, a strong army, as incredible as it sounds today, but we had a, an order of battle of 625,000 men. 
that's 12 divisions plus 14 independent brigades. We had a thousand main battle tanks, we had 500 fighter aircraft, we had thousands of terrain fortifications. This was reflected in the name of the institutions that dealt with it. It was not the Ministry of Defense, but the military department that was expressing that there was the military who had very much the saying. I felt at the time that we would need to move towards a different type of policy, while military assets were certainly necessary. At the time, I felt we needed to move to a security policy, which policy stopped in the old days at the border. Whereas security policy starts at the border. It goes and tries to find out whether one couldn't help to solve problems before they came to us, because problems increasingly had legs. In this context, I realized or wrote a study that we had very few security policy experts in Switzerland. Fifteen I counted in the universities for government together. All in all, fifteen that we couldn't actually move anywhere with that. The arms control section was integrated at the time in the operational the, the operation division expressing the desire of Switzerland to destroy enemy tanks if possible on the battlefield if necessary at the negotiating table. That was a very peculiar thinking. I was at the time head of the Office of Studies of the Swiss Strategic Intelligence and I was a member of the Situation Conference of the Federal Council, a monthly meeting where the international situation was discussed and was attended regularly by three, four Federal Councillors, the Chief of General Staff, the State Secretary and the Foreign Ministry and all other top civil servants. So I was with access and I was known. The study was echoed by a call by the Chief of the General Staff Zumstein to see him in his office and he explained to me that he wanted to create five or six additional jobs and security policy experts. So I was asked to make a proposal how one would, could get these half dozen experts. I immediately turned to the Graduate Institute, Kurt Gasteiger in particular, was one institution that trained Swiss diplomats, so it was logical address to, to address. And um, got a positive echo, we covered together a, a, a training course of uh, one year duration, one academic year, that would be the first year of the CIPOLEX experience, security policy experts experience. So it would be a second year where I would, would accompany or they would travel to New York to see the UN, to Washington to speak with the Americans, to Moscow to speak with the Russians, to Brussels to speak with NATO and the European Union and to London where at that time the West European Union had still its headquarters before it moved to Brussels. And um, this, I proposed that we do the course ourselves because I told Zumstein right at the beginning that five to six is, is not enough. He would have an advantage to have a course at its disposal, a training institution flexibly at his disposal that would permit to train as many as he needed and we should do that together with the foreign ministry. Last a basic decision that was taken right from the beginning and we could even add a few students to whom we offered scholarships to broaden the academic part of it. That was accepted. The necessary funding was 
by Zumstein requested from the foreign the defense minister, federal council. It was the immediate need for of the gold end of the Cold War and the various negotiating forum, notably the OSCE. But it was at the same time a political decision pointing in the direction of an Austro security policy and in a direction of a transforming the military department into the Ministry of Defense. The minister had he had a, a grand total of three employees working directly for him, one personal assistant for his party, one for federal council affairs and the secretary. He had no asset, uh, no advisor, no own capability, all belonged to the chief general staff. And uh, with a simple excourse as his project was became known, this was about to change and this transformed our policy. This leads me to my second question. How did it contribute to Swiss policy priorities and what factors led to opening up the course to an international audience as of uh, 1989? The CPLX course had a major influence on Swiss thinking. First, it was a success. That is something which one should not underrate too easily. It had its prestige and people knew it. We had decided, Gasteiger and I, that there would be over 100 guest speakers. The General Daniker, the brightest general of the days. We talk about, once mentioned, paraphrasing Churchill, never before in history have so few been trained by so many so high up. So the Swiss foreign ministry and military elite knew the course, was physically there and in contact with it. And um, so these were the days still of the Cold War, end of the Cold War, the Marshall Center didn't exist, this was the only town in the sense that military and civilians were trained together and um, sat on an international, soon on an international basis. Therefore, we were already after the first course inundated by requests from neighbors and also friended nations whether they couldn't send participants into it. And we decided to open it up for the also neutrals and the neighbors but we did it once and then the decision came to, to open it to whoever mm-hmm. we wanted to have was interested from the Atlantic community. And um, we had, with the second year, a tool in our hand, which again was completely new. There had been nobody who ever visited NATO from Switzerland. It was a military alliance and we kept as new to our distances. No diplomatic contact, no ambassador, no liaison officer, nothing at all. It was only me who traveled regularly to, to, to NATO and the European Union because I was at the time a relatively good expert on the Soviet Union and was asked, invited by both the European Union and by NATO as specialists in and seminars they conducted on this matter. I wrote also at the IAS, the International Institute for Strategic Studies, for 10 years, the chapter on the Soviet Union. And um, But these informal contacts were not what we needed. So, CPLEX travel group, the foreign ministry and the defense ministry, people who visited the various capitals and institutions were a novel and a very welcome one. First, they were well-trained and made a good impression. And we 
multiplied to the number of contacts we had. Mm-hmm. All that happened late later was having its roots in these early days in the sense that it became in the end natural to have an ambassador to, to NATO. It became possible that we, that the defense minister visited the Soviet Union. So it changed the way we looked at the institution and because we, we started to know, to know them. Switzerland also, to its surprise, had created something that was in international demand, that was new and also slightly surprising because we were behind and here we had something where we had a, a, a tools that others were looking for. The course set the roots for the GCSP itself, which was created in 1995. Was this part of the initial plan? I was invited to be the head of the project and I never needed two invitations to create something. I had the possibility to create a whole bunch of additional structural elements. I told the chief general staff he could have as, as many security policy officers experts as he wanted, but he would never cover the entire field. Therefore, we needed the contract research capability, which we did jointly with the foreign ministry. There was also the recognition that the Swiss universities were not looking at security policy at all. There was Kurt Gasteiger in Geneva, brilliant, uh, open-minded uh, international, and Frey in Zurich, political scientist, brilliant in his own way too, and two didn't speak with each other, mm-hmm. essentially. And um, it is laid the cornerstones for the transformation, the move from the policy of dissuasion to the modern security policy. It laid the necessary groundwork to ministerial reform, the creation of a genuine Defense Ministry, it laid the creation of the GCSP. Because in my initial study with Zumstein, I had mentioned that we would need additional things. And perhaps 10 years down the road, an Owen Institute. That was right from the beginning in my thinking. So I became increasingly, I still was head of studies in strategic intelligence, but I was at the same time named head of political military affairs for the chief of general staff mm-hmm. and I was an informal advisor to the defense minister. So I was acting at three levels and uh, this permitted me to to create many things which uh, proved to be useful. Thank you. Indeed. And the course has proven useful as it is still going strong in its 35th edition. Why do you think that is and how can education concretely impact on policy? Well, let me say that the course, the simple X course, came at a time it couldn't have been more convenient for the international community. I had written an article in 1980, The Tottering Empire, in which I predicted that the Soviet Union would disintegrate and the Soviet Empire would, Eastern Europe, Sebastian would have either to be sacrificed or for financial reasons or suppressed by more military means. There was simply not enough money, not enough resources to, to pay for the empire. It gave Gorbachev time to introduce Perestroika or Glasnost. Mm-hmm. Perestroika, the modernization of the 
economy and Glasnost, severe organization of political affairs and detente with the West. That late in 1989 to the collapse of the, the wall, which nobody expected. It just happened. And uh, the new, newly independent former Warsaw Pact countries were looking eagerly towards Western Europe and towards NATO to have a future, not on the wrong side of the Iron Curtain, cutting through Europe. So Europe was growing together, was in the process and having the ability to grow together again. But there was no place people could go except Geneva. So the Marshall Center was created only a few years later as a result of the experience the Americans witnessed. But we were immediately available. So the first participant outside the neighbors and the neutrals was not surprisingly a foreign ministry man from the politics. They looked to, they, they hadn't been encouraged to have their own thinkers in security policy. There is, um, they were eagerly interested to, to gain um, insights and expertise. But also the Poles sent their entire elite to Geneva, or the Hungarians, the Bratim. We had in Geneva the new, the first of those who would rebuild Eastern Europe. And we had NATO people coming to meet, to, to have an international training with 100 or 200 guest speakers. This was still a very good course for, for had no equivalent for, but also to meet the future colleagues from the East. So in Geneva, at the X course, Europe grew together. And there has been GCSB's great merit that this is, it has always been able to train the people together that would have to work together. There is the example of the East Europeans and the NATO people in the early courses is only one example. It is also members from international organizations, industry, today that needs to be brought together in a different world. We have this, this, this course over the 35 years always been at the cutting edge of uh, training. And um, there were some incidents that uh, perhaps uh, are worse to be related. We had a research support program created. Mm-hmm. And with the Cipolex trip to Moscow, we met many people from the foreign ministry, defense ministry, general staff, and so on, the head of the start negotiation team from Russia, who joined GCSB as a faculty. Later, we hired him. And there was a young man who was working for Yeltsin. And we had a program to distribute computers with modems to Eastern Europe. And um, the internet had at that time 37,000 subscribers, so it was hardly existing. But when the conservatives forces under Yazov and the KGB launched a coup against Gorbachev, uh, arrested him and put him in, a, in exile in a villa outside Moscow, the KGB cut so all phone lines to the outside world for Yeltsin, but not my modern. They hadn't yet realized that somebody had a, an internet. So Yeltsin used the internet to speak with Werner, to agree with CNN that he would, at what time he would leave the building, climb the tank and declare his opposition. Gestures that brought an end to the toppled the, the coup. And um, that was all due to our modems that came as a byproduct of the visits to Moscow 
of the uh, Swiss CPLX participants. I got then a visit, by the way, from a delegation from the Russian Duma that sent me, gave me as a recognition a source, which I still have. So this was a course that was in many respects extremely useful and produced results. And it produced something which is the backbone of every attempt to deal with security policy. It created networks. We invited everybody to a skiing weekend in Zermatt and once and proposed that we do an alumni network. Needless to say that practically everybody came and they hadn't anything against an alumni network. And today this is obviously much stronger. We fit it all in a Zermatt restaurant at the time. But the various networks GCSB has been building and maintaining and supporting cannot be overestimated in their importance and, 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 and relevance. It is fascinating to hear this story. I was aware of the modem story because I read it in a computer journal at that time, but I was not aware that it was from the CIPOLEX course. That is really fascinating. In looking at the extremely challenging security environment of today, what are the major trends we should be aware of in your opinion? And what sort of role do you see for courses such as the LISC and indeed institutions such as the GCSP within this environment? Well, the Graduate Institute was created in 1927 as a contribution to Switzerland to the League of Nations, as a training institution, a think tank for the knowledge and the experts the international community would need to have after the Great War. If you look at the international situation today, we have eight, I believe, areas, clusters of problems. We have climate change, we have biosecurity, be it uh, pandemics, be it uh, antibiotics that bacteria are uh, multi-resistant again, be it other problems like cutdown cut of supplies in pharmaceutics. We have thirdly demography and migration. There will be 3.7 million billion additional people and 3 billion of them will be Africans. In the year 2100, so Africa will grow to from 1.3 billion to 4.4 billion, and the continent cannot feed and close and supply such a multitude. We have cyber, artificial intelligence, quantum computing. We are in a world that is not only in rapid change, and I believe that essentially the cyber is responsible for the speed and the phenomenon we see everywhere. But the move from towards artificial intelligence will be again as important as the move was from analogous to digital systems. And quantum computing is probably the key technology of the 21st century. We have fifth financial situation. We are indebted. It has been said we mortgage the future of our children with the tremendous amount of money that the pandemic has cost. That's not true. It's not our children. It's our own future that we, it's much more shorter. We have um, both European Union and with Eurobonds, where the wealthy support through the European Union and through Biden's willingness to put six 
trillion dollars into the American economy in three programs of two, two trillions each. Even if not all that money is accepted by Congress, this will be an influx of funding which is going to render the current difficulties of the financial system even more pronounced. Then we have the liberal democracies on the fire. We had in the US Trump who tried the coup on 6th of January. We have the illiberal democracies in Eastern Europe. We have Xi Jinping who is convinced that the liberal democracy has found its end and the Chinese model built on the interests of the collective will replace it. And we have obviously Islamic fundamentalism that is also directed against liberal democracy. We have furthermore the transition to a more multipolar world. China will overtake the United States as the largest economy, not as the strongest military power. And Russia, somebody who has six and a half thousand nuclear warheads, cannot be ignored. But in real life, Russia is a different league. It has only twice the GDP of Switzerland, and only 8% of the GDP of the United States. There is Turkey that looks for an Ottoman Empire that nobody wants to be seen restored. There is Iran, there is Saudi Arabia, there is North Korea. There are actors that render this world more multipolar. And there is the crisis of multilateralism. The UN has been weakened by Trump. There is urgent need to solve the problems I mentioned are all problems that need joint action. No, none of the countries can work it on its own. There is um, also the, the realization that some of the problems need solutions that are unacceptable for other problems. Climate change would argue for a no-growth policy, but you cannot have 3.7 billion people coming to join you ask till the end of the century and say sorry guys we have no food for you that is there will be a clear dependence on replacing capital which has been seen in the last decade with shareholder value and all sort of nonsense by stakeholder value we will need to have technology to become the driving force of reducing our having growth but by reducing the footprint that we leave on planet Earth. So technology is the key and it is not, not sectorial solutions that are what we need but change management. The ability to guide and direct change management to have the sectorial approaches and solutions merged into an overall strategy that is without internal contradictions, credible and explainable to the people is what we need. And that is the exact purpose of the Maison de la Paix. I see the Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich and in Lausanne as most used institutions, but I see the Maison de la Paix as a privileged position visit GCSP and Geneva centers in general, as a privileged place where we should train and analyze the world we're living in, train the people to cope with it, and be still at the cutting edge of change and uh, knowledge. I'm uh, very optimistic about the future of uh, GCSB and uh, of the course. Thank you very much. And if you allow me to ask the last question, as mentioned earlier, in 1985, the Geneva summit with Reagan Gorbachev led to the founding of the course. And now, 
36 years later, we have a new summit with President Biden and Putin about to take place in Geneva. What significance do you see in these summits? 1985 was a major threshold. Gorbachev had opted for giving up the Grand Sea and uh, was looking for a permanent detente with the West so that he could get uh, his house in order. Putin is far from being looking for detente. He has demonstrated the nuisance values that he has. And um, there are many topics and little time, so I wouldn't expect too much from, from the results. So let me make two points, however. The very fact that this takes place is a step forward. It is from antagonism to a renewal of style that will in itself be improving the situation, but it will also be a step in the direction we need to go. The problems I mentioned in the last question are not going away and they need international cooperation. Nobody can change the climate on its own. I feel that Switzerland should adduce GCSP for that, not only be the neutral host, but also offer avenues for follow-ups that can be useful. I have three concrete points which I feel that we could make. First is that we should suggest that we explore the possibility of an agreement on, or a political binding agreement or a dialogue or however you want to phrase on the transition to uh, artificial intelligence. There need to be ground rules for this field. We cannot leave simply the decision-making process to the computers. They might like to start the war. They don't know what's, what is legal. This is a priority of the first order. Switzerland could be helpful in. And Thomas Kreminger, the new director of GCSP, is a man who has great experience in track one, 1.5.2.0 level. That is food for thought. Secondly, we should offer simulation games of pandemics. I suggested already a few years ago that we do a Friedenspiel as opposed to a Kriegspiel. I believe that Geneva should select cutting-edge problems and simulate them together with uh, the real decision-makers. And third, I feel that we should think about scenarios that are a combination of, of, of problems. Scenario in which we have a pandemic, either as a weapon used by a country or a terrorist organization or whatever, and we have some vulnerability of our health sector to hacking. We should look if how it's linked to what is going on to the terrorist threat, be state terrorism or be it criminal terrorism is. And uh, again, there should be room for joint thinking of all the main, main players and uh, GCSP would be an ideal place to host such things. Very good. Thank you very much, Ambassador Winkler, for this very interesting and thought-provoking interview. It was my pleasure. Well, listeners, that is all we'll have time for this week. Thank you very much to Colonel Christian Bulman and to Ambassador Theodore Winkler for this discussion. Please join us again next week to hear more about issues of peace, security, and international cooperation. You can follow us on Anchor FM and on Apple iTunes, and subscribe to us on Spotify and on SoundCloud. I'm Dr. Paul Vallée with the Geneva Center for Security Policy, and until next week, bye for now.